If you would, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3, and put your finger there, and, and, uh, and then put your finger in John chapter 11, but we'll be going to Hebrews chapter 3 to start with. I want to talk to you today about the problem with unbelief. You say, oh, preacher, I don't have any problem with that. Well, I think we all have a problem with that. We all struggle with that at one time or another in our, in our lives. And I just want to point out some things and show you the problems with unbelief. In Hebrews chapter 3, look at verse 10 through 12. Is, uh, the writer is writing and he's referring to what happened with the nation of Israel and how that, that God had promised them the promised land. Uh, they had... Uh, they had come up to the, the edge of the Jordan, and it was time to go to the promised land. And you all know the story how they sent the spies in, and they come back and said, there's giants in the land, and we were grasshoppers in their sight, and they didn't want to go because of unbelief. They didn't believe they could overtake the giants. So the writer of Hebrews is recapping that story and reminding these Jews, these Hebrews of the New Testament, of what happened to that generation. He says, wherefore, God, uh, I, God, was grieved with that generation and said they do err in their heart. So one of the problems with unbelief is you're, it's an error of heart. And they know, have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Another problem with unbelief is unrest. He says, and in verse 12, he says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Father, as we open and study your word this morning, I pray, Father, that you would give me the words to say, that I would speak clearly, that I would speak boldly, and proclaim your word to us today. Lord, help us to to be hearers of that word and not only hearers but to be doers as we listen to what you have for us today in Jesus name I pray amen now if you will turn over in your Bibles to John chapter 11 while you're turning there I I know this is a, a familiar story it's a, of Lazarus when Jesus raised him from the dead Jesus was coming down to the end of his earthly ministry and this is one of the it's not the last miracle that he did but it is certainly one of the most prominent miracles he did right before his crucifixion and he he was wanting to teach his disciples teach the Jewish followers and teach the, the ones that he loved so dearly Mary and Martha and Lazarus a very important point here and uh, we get, a, I know we get the doctrine, you say, well, Brother Kenny, I don't know if this is a good message for unbelief, uh, because in here is the doctrine of the resurrection. That's where we get some of it. That's why we have this hope that one day we will rise again because Jesus rose again. I know that's in there. There's a lot in here. And I'm going to try in the next 30 minutes to cover it, uh, at least part of it. To help you to understand, but in these few, first few verses of chapter 11, there are about 8 to 10 different times that Jesus says in one way or a form, uh, if you would have believed. Do you believe? The key here is do you believe? Do you understand what I'm saying to you? 
Now let's just start, and I, I'm just going to sort of go, it's one of my most favorite ways of preaching is just verse by verse. Because see, I'm not very smart. But I can look at God's word and say, he's pretty smart, and boy, he's got a lot to say. So this is the way I like to do it, and that's what I want to do here today. Uh, now a certain man was sick, starting in verse 1, named Lazarus of Bethany, and the, uh, Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, him whom thou lovest is sick. So we'll just stop right there for a minute. Let's peek at this a little bit. What is going on? Um, Jesus is, is, is afar off. Uh, about 20 miles away from him, and Lazarus gets deathly sick. And Mary and Martha says, I know the cure. I know who can fix this. We've seen him bring people up and, and cure their sicknesses. We, he's seen the blind to, to, to see again. We've seen the lame to walk again. We got the answer. They believe, right? They got it figured all out. I mean, it's just... Black and white to them, let's call Jesus. So they send a messenger, and you know, they don't have an iPhone. They can't text him. You know, so they send a messenger to Jesus. He's about 20 miles away. And said, uh, Lazarus is sick. You remember, Lord, the one that you love so much. A little prod in there. You know, you love him so much, do we ever do that? Lord, you know, I love you. You say you love me, and, and if you love me, you're going to do this, right? You're going to fix this problem for me. But this, he's sick, and, and we need help, and they tell Jesus of the problem. They send the messenger to him uh, to, so Jesus would know of the need. Uh, maybe they, they, as they're just sending the messenger there, we'll look on down and see that there was a problem with him going to Judea at the, at the time. So maybe they just sent a messenger and said, hey, just tell him to do like he did in John chapter 4 with the nobleman where he came to him and he believed and, and he told Jesus, said, just speak and, and my son will be healed. And Jesus spoke and his son was healed without even going to him. Uh, as the nobleman traveled back uh, the next day, uh, he asked the, the servant, what time of day did he, did he, was he, did the fever break? Did he become well? And he told him the time of day and he remembered that was the exact time of day that Jesus said, your son is healed. So Mary and Martha knew this. Maybe they were hoping that Jesus would just speak a word and it would be all right. Just speak a word and Lazarus would be okay. When Jesus heard what the, uh, verse 4, when Jesus heard that, he heard the message of, of the messenger, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And I want you to memorize or, or write that down, underline verse 4, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. That is the key to this whole chapter. Everything hinges on that. The glory of the Father and that the Son be glorified in the Father. 
That's what this whole story is about. And that we believe that God is going to do that. We, we have been studying on Wednesday night that God is at work, experiencing God. God is at work. Uh, he, he, he wants to have a relationship with us. He invites us into that relationship. He speaks to us in that relationship and tells us what he's doing and invites us and asks us would we join him in what he's doing. And then we have an obligation. We have to be obedient. We have a problem. There's a, one part of the experience gone, the crisis of belief. When I enter that relationship, when I, when I join him in what he's doing, he shows me what I'm doing, I have to choose whether I'm going to believe that or not. See, that's our problem is we, we hear things. And, and maybe you're sitting here today and you've heard the gospel. You've heard how Jesus came and that he died on the cross for your sins. And you're sitting there contemplating whether you believe it or not. Let me tell you, you can believe it. You can take it to the bank. That is what is all throughout Scripture from the very beginning. When Adam and Eve were in the garden and, Jesus, and God told them, He said, yeah, uh, I want you to name the animals, take care of the God, and do, it. do anything you want, eat anything you want, except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now they had a choice of whether they would believe God's word or not. And they disobeyed him and, the, and suffered the consequences. We are suffering the consequences from that. We are all born into sin because of their sin. Not because of that. It's just within our nature. That's how we are. Uh, we come to a place where we want to believe that Jesus died on the cross. And he's the only way to heaven. And I'm contemplating that or not. You will stand before God one day and give an account of why you didn't believe that. So first of all, we got to believe for salvation. If you believe for salvation, preacher, I don't have any problem with that at all. I'm saved. I know Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I know he rose from the dead. I know he's in heaven preparing a place for me. And I know pretty sure, pretty sure, that when I die, I'm going to meet him in heaven. John says that you can know for sure that when you die, you will be with him in heaven. If we study his word, if we believe what he says. So you don't have a problem with that. But let me ask you about your everyday Christian life. Let me ask you, this is everyday stuff. People die every day. You say, well, that's a big problem, you know. But let's scale it way back. What if somebody's wronged you? What if somebody has, has uh, done something wrong to you and, boy, you just... Hmm, I'm going to fix this. What, about, what does God's word say about his promises there? What if, uh, what if you're concerned about a job? What if you're concerned about money? I, I could name all kinds of, well, what I'm asking you today, what is your Lazarus? What is it that God is the test or the, the trial or the difficult time that you're going through that's your Lazarus. That Jesus said to them, this death, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Your difficulty, your trial, if you're a born again believer, trusting in Jesus, your personal Savior, God will put you in trials to reveal himself and his glory to you. 
Y'all understand that? I mean, it happens over and over and over when Jesus is teaching and preaching. Uh, he, he tells us in chapter 10 that, that he's the good shepherd. He takes care of his sheep. They hear his voice. He watches over them. He protects them. He guides them. He leads them. And in chapter 11, he demonstrates that. He teaches the disciples about faith and all the rest. In the next chapter, he takes them out into the sea, into a storm where they think they're going to perish because of unbelief. And Jesus says, oh, ye of little faith. And he calms the storm. All throughout Scripture, God wants us to believe him. Have you ever been in a situation where you told somebody something and they didn't believe you? I mean, you gave them your word. And they just didn't believe you. They just went off and did what they wanted to anyway. And didn't give you the chance to even do what you said you would do. I know as a father and I tell my kids something and, and they just, like, well, daddy didn't even say nothing. And I'm like, what am I? Chopped liver here? It doesn't make you feel good when you lay your heart on the line and pour out your honest Feelings or whatever, I will do this for you. And then somebody does something, what does it do to you? Don't make you feel too good, does it? I don't believe it makes God feel very good either when he promises us something and we just go off on a tangent and do our own thing. We think he needs our help. Let's keep looking at this. Y'all got to forgive me. It's hot, hot, hot in here. I'm not going to make it through the rest of this sermon without going to sleep. I don't get that jacket off. The entire story, and I got hung up there, hinges on verse 4. See, if we believe, we'll have peace that passes all understanding. I've, I've heard people say that I, I don't know what happened. I was in this very difficult time, but I cannot explain to you the peace that passes all understanding. In death, in trials, in all that goes on, God gives you a peace that passes all understanding if you just believe him. If you just believe his word. If you'll just trust him that he loves you, he wants what's best for you, and cares for you. Let me point out something. When Jesus heard these words, Lazarus was already dead. We can look down through the thing here and know it was about 20 miles away from where he was at. Uh, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but uh, let's, go, let's do that, and then I'll talk about that. Now, Jesus, uh, verse 5, loved Martha. He loved Martha. That's, that's key. He loved his sister, and he loved Lazarus. Verse 6, when he had heard, therefore, he was sick, he abode two days. Still in the same place where he was. Huh. If he loved them. Now if, if my son or my grandchildren come to me and say. Papio or daddy I got a problem. Guess what daddy's going to do. I'm gone. Because I love them so much. I'm running to their, to, to their rescue as fast as I can. Because I love. And they, but Jesus loved them and he didn't run to the rescue. He waited two days. Hmm, sort of odd, isn't it? Why would Jesus do this? Because Jesus knew at the point that he heard this message that Lazarus was already dead. He also knew a lot of other things we'll talk about in just a minute. 
But at this point, Lazarus was already dead. Uh, you do the math. He's 20 miles away. It's a day's journey for the messenger. So there's one day. Jesus stays two more days before he leaves to go to Judah. There's three days. And then it's a day's journey. There's four days. And then we read down at the bottom where, where Martha tells Jesus, Hey, don't open the tomb. He stinks. He's been there four days already. So on this day that the messenger came, Lazarus was already dead. But it's still, Martha and Mary and the disciples didn't really understand this. They didn't know that. Why wasn't Jesus running to their rescue? Let me help you understand something. God's love for us is not a pampering love like I would give my children. God's love for us is a perfecting love. He's wanting to perfect this relationship for us to understand that when he says something, verse 4, it will happen. When he says, if you deny me, you will stand before me in judgment, it will happen. When he says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay, it will happen. When God says it, it will happen. When God promised them the promised land, guess what? It happened. But not for the ones that, that were in unbelief. Y'all are awful quiet this morning, aren't you? This is really going to get encouraging. Just hang on a few minutes. The fact that he loves us and we love him is no guarantee that we're sheltered from the problems and the pains of life. Some of the most difficult things I've ever done with my children is to let them hurt and felt that I shouldn't do anything but let them hurt. Anybody know what I'm talking about as a parent? That's one of the toughest things. Boy, I want to fix everything. I want to fix all their problems, but I know if I step in and fix it, they won't get it. Jesus was saying, I want them to get this. This is the most important lesson that I can teach them before I go to the cross. That I am the Son of God and that God is in control. Let's keep going. I'm, I'm going to run out of time. See, sometimes God wants to, waits to answer our prayer because he loves us. Uh, if you love somebody, you want, to, you, want them, uh, you want the very best for them. Jesus wanted the very best for Martha and Mary and for Lazarus and for his disciples. He wanted them uh, to know what you know. Sometimes it takes a difficult lesson to do that. Uh, he wanted them to see what you've seen. See, if, they, if Jesus would just said, oh, yeah, he's sick, and, and he just said, Father, my friend my, that I love so dearly, Lazarus, is sick. Would you heal him? He'd have been healed just like that. But the disciples and Mary and Martha and all the Jews around would have never seen the glory of God as, as they saw it this day. They wouldn't have seen what Jesus wanted them to see. They wouldn't experience what he wanted them to experience. He wanted them to have joy. He wanted them to have peace. And knowing that he would provide, he would protect, he would do what he said. Them to know that they, he want them to know that they're there for them no matter what. He, uh, if you love someone, you want them to know that you'll provide for them. 
Verse 7, after that, uh, then after that, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea. And the disciples said unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou hither again? Wait a minute, Lord. Jesus said, okay, messengers come, it's been two days, let's go to Judea. Let's show God's glory. Let's reveal God's glory. And the, and the disciples, probably Peter, stood up and said, Hey, whoa, 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 did you already forget so soon, Lord? They're wanting to kill you down there. They don't like you. And you want to go down there for a dead man or for somebody that's sick? He's probably thinking, I know you can just speak it. You don't really need to go down there. Wait a minute, Lord, what are you thinking? Have you forgot so soon? And, and, uh, but Jesus despised the comfort, despised the security of his own self because he saw the chance to reveal the glory of God. Sometimes we get in a difficult crisis in our life and through unbelief we never see the glory of God. Because we don't believe. Because we don't trust Him. Because we're too afraid of what happened to me. We're too afraid of what it made me look like. We're too afraid of that I might offend someone. We're too afraid that I might be embarrassed. We're too afraid of whatever. That's unbelief. Uh, I stand up here today and I can say, Lord, I'm, I'm not a very good speaker. Bible tell you that. He's known me for a long time. He's come back three Sundays now just to make sure it's really me up here. But I stand here today because I stand on the promise that my Savior says, I will put my words in your mouth. You just be obedient and trust me. I'll give you the words to say. That's the only way I stand here today, and I know that. I'm not an eloquent speaker, but God has called me and asked me to be a part of what he's doing, and I'm going to believe him for it. Amen. That's it, period. That's what God wants from us is obedience and to believe what he says he will do. See, Jesus also knew that all things were in the Father's hands. See, when Peter, well, it wasn't Peter, when they reminded him that they wanted to kill him, Jesus said, look at here. I've been talking to dad. He's got this. He's in control. I'm talking modern day English now, right? He's in control of this. He's, he's told me, he's revealed to me that my time is not yet come. It's throughout all the gospel of John. He would ask him several times, my time is not yet come. He knew that the father had a time schedule. And he was on a different time schedule than ours. He wasn't worried about those who wanted to stone him. He was worried about revealing the glory of God to his disciples and to his friends and to their, their friends. He was worried about God's glory more than anything else. See, the Father has a different time schedule, and Jesus knows that. Verses 9 it's sort of interesting why he's doing that. He says, you know, they've sought to destroy you. And then Jesus just sort of seems to wander off and say, hey, there's, there's 12 hours in a day. And you don't want to, well, you want to walk in the day so you don't stumble. And if you walk at night, you know, you're going to stumble and fall. And, you're, and I scratched my head and I thought, 
Where is that coming from? Why did he throw that in there all of a sudden? Why is that verse right there? It, it didn't really fit to me. It didn't make sense. So I started looking at it and I started praying about it. Lord, what do you mean by this? I mean, because I don't think that any verse is there just because. I believe it's there because God wants it there. See, this verse was here, verses 9 and 10, I believe, as he was responding to them, hey, they want to kill you. And this was Jesus' way of saying, I'm not going to Judea haphazardly. I'm not going to Judea just on a whim. It's not just something I just come up with. I've been talking to the Father, the light of the world. And he's revealed to me his plan and his purpose. And they're not going to stone me in Judea. Lazarus is going to rise from the dead, like I said in verse 4. That's what's going to happen. And I believe that's what verses 9 and 10 are telling us there. In short, oh, I'm running out of time. These things he said, in verse 11, and after these uh, said unto them, our friend Lazarus sleep, but I go that I may awake him out of his sleep. Jesus saying, uh, I'm going and I'm going to wake him out of his sleep. See, in the Jewish customs or in that day, and we refer to it today, when someone passes away and someone goes home to be, they say, we look like he's sleeping. For the Christian, that's all it is. They're sleeping. They're not dead. They've just been gone to another place. They're in another destination. Their body sleeps and waits for a resurrection day. So they sleep, and this is what Jesus was referring to. Then the disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he do well. Here again they come up of unbelief. Jesus has told them to the glory of the Father. And he said, well, look, you know, they want to stone you and all the rest. And, and, and Jesus replies back, and he said, well, but, but Lord, if he's sleeping, that means the fever's broke or he's resting good. So he's obviously getting better. There's no need to go. That's what I get out of that. If he sleeps, he's doing well. Look what unbelief does. Makes you start coming up with every reason in the world why you shouldn't do what you're supposed to be doing. Every reason in the world. Uh, maybe we shouldn't risk it, I believe they were telling him. But Jesus said, how be it, Jesus, uh, how be it Jesus spake of his death. But they thought that he spoke, that he taken of rest and sleep. See, unbelief, as the disciples saw here, they misunderstood the purpose and the plan. They misunderstood God's schedule, God's time frame, that God's in control. They misunderstood because of unbelief. See, when we're in unbelief, we have an inability to grasp spiritual truth. Y'all understand that? If I'm having a difficult time believing that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. If I have a difficult time saying I will never leave you nor forsake you. If I'm struggling with God loves me, then I'm going to struggle with everything else in here. You've got to start with belief and, and to believe the very simple things that he tells us. Unbelief will cause you the problems in grasping spiritual truth. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, guys. 
He didn't say, guys, that was me. Lazarus is dead. Aren't you glad that God sometimes just spells it out clearly as he can? He has to do that for me quite often. Just make it simple, easy, draw me a picture. He's dead, buddy. He's not just sleeping, he's dead. So he just explains this to disciples, and this look what he says in verse 15. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. Does that sound like somebody that loved Lazarus? Yes. Because see, you misunderstand what that's saying there. Jesus said, I didn't say I'm glad he's dead. He said, I'm glad that he's dead, that you will see the glory of God, that you will see that I am the son of God and that you will believe. I am glad that we have this opportunity to show you that you can believe me even when the circumstances look hopeless. I am glad for your sakes. And he says, to the intent you may believe, nevertheless, let us go to him. He referred back to verse 4 again. What was the promise? The sickness was not unto death, but for the glory of God. Then Thomas, here's another one of unbelief. Then Thomas, I love, you know, doubting Thomas. He said to his fellow disciples, let us go. That he may die with him. Well, while Thomas's loyalty was noble, his reason to go was not in line with the purpose to go. Was not in line with verse 4, the promise of why we're going. He said, well, if he's going, I, I mean, everybody gives Thomas a hard time being down in town. But he was pretty loyal to the Savior. And he shows it right here. If he's going, I'm going with him. If he dies, I'm going to die with him. I'm going to be loyal to my Lord no matter what. But that isn't what it said. Revert to verse 4. Jesus said, I'm not going to die. See, he made another promise. Uh, I go to, in verse 11, I go to awake Lazarus. He didn't say I go to die. I'm going there to wake him up, to raise him from the dead. I'm not, Thomas, I'm not going to die. Unbelief helps fog our understanding of what he says to us. I know I've got to move on. I'm out of time, but I want you to get this. And then Jesus came, and in verse 12, and he found where they'd laid the uh, he'd been in the grave for four days, and that, I'm sort of paraphrasing to move, move along here. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs. That's about 20 miles a day's journey. And many of the Jews came to Mary and Martha to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Jesus had already sent a messenger and said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. So if they believed that promise, why did they need comfort? Because they didn't believe it. They didn't understand it. 
And so now, just like any other funeral, all the friends are there. They're comforting Mary and Martha and trying to console them and bring them through this most difficult time of their life. And as you imagine, if anybody's ever gone through a death of a loved one, and you, especially if you prayed for that loved one over and over for maybe years and months and all the rest, and you just have all kinds of questions, you're, you're in pain. Uh, unbelief will bring pain. You're in pain through the death of their brother. Unbelief will bring confusion. Why didn't Jesus come back with the messenger when we sent him? Unbelief could bring frustration. Why didn't he just heal him with a spoken word like he did the nobleman's son? They're discouraged. Why did it take so long for him to respond? They felt hopeless. It's too late. Lazarus is dead. You ever been there? Lord, I'm just in a bind, bad bind. And Lord, I just don't feel like you're even hearing my prayer. Why can't you just do the, why can't you just, what is the promise that God gave you? I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, we don't like to hear this verse when we go through a difficult time, but it is the truth. It is so true. All things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now you're going through a difficult time. You don't want to hear that. I know for a fact. I told somebody that this week and I thought I was going to get punched in the face. But I couldn't help myself. It was just the truth and it was there. I know you're going through a difficult time, but this is God's promise to you. I will get the glory. I will get the honor. Everything is going to work out if you will believe me. But they felt hopeless. Then Martha, as she had heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was still in the house. And Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. Can you see that? If you'd have just come with the messenger. If you'd have just spoke a word. My brother wouldn't have died. If you'd just done what. We didn't tell you what to do. You notice that. That's another thing I'd sort of skipped over. We didn't tell you what to do. But we expect you to do something. But you just didn't do it in the time frame that we needed it. It's just too late. He, he's dead, Lord. Hmm. Refer to, you ever heard of when you're doing instruction, refer to section 7, refer to, refer to verse 4. All throughout this scripture, refer to verse 4. When in doubt, refer to verse 4. When in unbelief, refer to verse 4. Refer back to the promise that God made you originally. He says, but I know, Mary says, but I know, uh, Martha, I'm sorry, but I know that even now, Whatsoever thou ask of God, God will give it thee. Well, there's, there's a little glimmer of light. Martha's trying to believe. She's trying to get it. She's trying to acknowledge that he'll get whatever he asks. And Jesus said, and her brother, uh, said unto her, thy brother will rise again. Another promise. He will rise again. But look what, what she said. He said, I know he'll rise again in verse 24. Again in the resurrection of the last day. That's not what Jesus said. This sickness is not unto death, but that the glory of God would be revealed. 
He wasn't talking about the last day. He was talking about the here and now. What I want you to understand is unbelief confuses our understanding. See, we all just live our lives here on earth and as Christians, and we think it's just going to be hard and it's terrible. But one day, when I get to heaven, it's all going to be over with. All my struggles, and to a point, that's true. But what did Jesus say about the here and now? He says, the thief comes not. This is in verse uh, chapter 10, just a verse before. But to verse steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. There's another promise. He wants you to have an abundant, I call it the victorious Christian life. This is when I believe him and I trust him and it is well with my soul. Because I know his schedule. I know his time frame. I know he's in control of all things. And I know that he's going to ultimately get the glory out of everything that's said and done. I'm good with that. That's the peace that passes all understanding. That's, uh, that's what the life more abundantly that he's talking about. I'm going to run through these just real quick. If you can give me just a few more minutes. Then uh, Martha confesses that and seems to be good in verse 17. She goes to Mary secretly because the Jewish uh, leaders wanted to kill him. Refer to verse 8. And then she told Mary that, that Jesus had come. Now Jesus was not, he wasn't in the town where they were at. But he still where Mary, uh, Martha met him. And when she had told him that Martha told Mary that he had come, Mary got up and ran out of the house. And all of them say, oh, she's going to the grave to mourn for Lazarus. They didn't know because she didn't reveal, Martha didn't reveal it was Jesus because they're in fear, once again, of the Jewish leaders. And look at Mary's response. He was come to Jesus in verse 32 and saw him and fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord... If thou hast been here, my brother had not died. Unbelief brings hopelessness. Mary had it too. Because of unbelief, look at the situation they were in. Uh, she, he saw her weeping. He saw the Jews uh, weeping that came with her. And he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. I, w I believe it was because of their unbelief. I believe he, and it's much like Hebrews, just write this down, Hebrews 10 through 12. He says, wherefore I was grieved with that generation. That word grieved and groan are a lot the same. Because of unbelief, I believe God just groans in his spirit. Why don't they just listen to me? Why don't they just trust me? Why don't they believe that my son died on the cross for their sins? Why don't those Christians... Why don't those who love me and follow me, why don't they just let me take over and take control? Why do they do this? Why do they bring them? They, he groans in his spirit. And we don't enter into his rest. We don't enter into that life more abundantly. We go on down in the shortest verse in the Bible where everybody knows and Jesus wept. To me, that is just a, a picture of 
our high priest that is referred to in Hebrews that can't be touched with the feelings of our infirmity. God knows your troubles. He knows your pain. He knows your hurt. He knows what you're going through because he went through it, yet without sin. So I believe he felt compassion for them. He hurt for them because of what sin and and what death had brought. Had it brought uh, unbelief, it had brought confusion, it had brought hopelessness, and he felt that for them. And it caused them to doubt. See, Jesus said unto uh, Martha again, uh, open the tomb, and then Martha reverts back from her first confession and says, well, wait a minute, Lord. You know by now he pretty much stinks. But it's good sometimes, and I think it's just awesome that the compassion that Jesus showed them refer to verse 4, Martha. Didn't I tell you that this sickness wasn't unto death? Didn't I tell you that God would get the glory? Didn't I promise you that, Martha? And Martha says, yeah, you did. And they rolled away the stone. And you know the rest of the story. How he called for Lazarus and Lazarus came forth. And God's glory was revealed. The disciples, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, all the ones around all saw the glory of God. Even in their unbelief. But wouldn't it have been so much nicer if they'd have just said, you know, Lazarus died and Martha just said, just leave him in his room. Jesus is on the way. He's going to fix this right up. But they took it into their own hands and they buried him and they did all they thought they were supposed to do regardless of the promise. And we do that all too often. We try to fit when God doesn't answer when we, the way he thinks we ought to, we take it in our own hands. And we think we got to fix it. If we just wait on him. If we just let him do his time schedule, his plan, his purpose, we'll see his glory. It is, I am so amazed at just the times that I've seen here and throughout my life when I just step back. And most of the time it's because I have to step back because God puts me in that situation where I can't do anything about it because I want to fix it. But it's so much nicer when I just step back and I said, Lord, it's yours. I don't know. I don't have a, I don't even know where to begin, but I know you do. And then to watch him work, to him do, I can't express to you the joy that it is in knowing that the creator of this universe included me in his plan. And that he brought things together that I never thought possible. I don't know where you're at today. If you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, I want you to know that he paid a price for you on Calvary's cross. He died for your sins and for mine that we would live with him in eternity. And you may be struggling with that belief. You may be saying that's impossible. There's no way. You don't know what I've done, preacher. You don't know how bad I've been. God does. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
if we just believe him. He'll do wonderful things that you never could imagine. Christian, I don't know what your Lazarus is, but I do know that God's put you there on purpose to reveal his glory. Are you going to trust him? Are you going to believe him? Or are you going to go your way and do your thing and be just totally miserable and never enter into his rest? Father, we close here today. Father, speak to us through your word. Lord, we just thank you so much that you love us. Lord, that you're so patient with us to remind us that you are in control. That you have all things in your hand and and you have a plan and you have a purpose for all things and you promise that all things will work to good if we just trust you. Lord, we thank you for the times that you've worked and you've showed us your glory and Lord, I'm asking you just show us your glory now. Lord, reveal that we would believe and trust you more. Lord, just speak through us. Help us, Lord, to be doers of that word. I pray for each and every one here today. Lord, if they don't know you as your personal Savior, I ask today that today that they would begin to believe you and trust you as their personal Savior. There's Christians out there that are going through a difficult time, and they they seem confused or hurt, or they seem hopeless, or there's no hope at all. I'm asking, Lord, that you would just help them to trust you. Remind them of your love to them and and your promises to them. Lord, comfort them in their difficult situation that they may see your glory and have your joy and your peace that passes all understanding. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.